to another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast. And I'm going to give you your black history sports facts first. Then I'll get into the scores. And then I'll give you some news. And then we'll get into the show. Uh, I may take a break in between there, but we'll see how it goes. So, like I mentioned um, in the opening, today is February the 1st, 2021, the first day of Black History Month. And as we do on Sports Rap, so every Monday when I come to you, I will have some history, some sports history, some black or African-American sports history throughout the entire month for you, um, just to get you some knowledge, um, give you some gems, if you will, on some things that you may already know about or may not know about, just recognizing our past uh, and maybe even some present sports figures um, that are african-american so first debbie thomas what came was the first and i'm not giving you these in any year or anything i'm just giving you the actual um fact of what it is so because it's the first i'm going to go with sports first so debbie thomas was the first and only african-american figure skating champion in the u.s shout outs to her for that uh, mike carey oh, a little while back became the first african-american to referee a super bowl Doug Williams, as a lot of you probably already know, was the first African-American to win a Super Bowl. First African-American quarterback, rather, to win a Super Bowl. And finally, Chuck Bolger. Good morning, brother, to you as well. Uh, finally, uh, Alice Coachman was the first African-American woman to win an Olympic gold medal. Um, and that was at the 1948 Summer Games for the High Jump. She was also the first African-American woman selected to the U.S. Olympic team. So that is your African-American sports history for February the 1st, 2021. I am now going to get into your news and your scores. And I'm going to give you a little bit of news first. And then I'll give you some scores. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we'll take a quick break. And we'll come back and we'll get into Mighty Mouse, my guy. What's going on? Good morning to you. And then we'll get into some stuff. Uh, like I said, the Eagles coaching issues, or I like to say issues a lot if you haven't noticed that. But um, there's a lot of conversation about the coaches. Like I mentioned, first official press conference introducing uh, Nick Sirianni was Friday. There's a lot of talk about that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the coaches that have been hired. Uh, and then we'll get into some Sixers staff later on in the second half of today's show. So we go right in. We're not going to go right in there. We're going to go right into our uh, our news and our uh, and our news and updates. Okay, uh, as you know, over the weekend, Matthew Stafford. There was a lot of talk about him possibly or ending um, his relationship with the Detroit Lions. That has happened. It has come to fruition. Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff. The deal breaks down like this. The Lions will get Jared Goff, a third-round pick in 2021, uh, a first-round pick in 2022 and 2023. So they get Jared Goff Goff and three picks. And the Rams will get Matthew Stafford. Okay, Ivan, um, I'll give you a call when I... um, get off air so we can uh, set that up definitely um 
AFC NFC Pro Bowl was canceled, but they did do a, a Madden Challenge thing, and I believe Kyler Murray won the MVP. Uh, so that was that. Not really nothing to issue. And again, I, I'm not really for the past several years. I haven't really been into the uh, Pro Bowl since they uh, switched it to the week before the Super Bowl, which I thought was crazy when they initially did that. Uh, In my opinion, it makes no sense because almost all the time you have players that will be, excuse me, voted to the Pro Bowl that will be playing in the Super Bowl, Um, a game that means a lot more than the Pro Bowl. So I liked it better when it was over, um, when they played it after the Super Bowl, you know, when guys had the opportunity to rest. And then they could go and play a little bit, even if they were in the Super Bowl, if they chose to. They could go and play and, you know, have their time, their minutes limited, and then have that time after that to rest and recoup before they get ready for the next training camp or whatever. Just putting it before the Super Bowl, um, makes gives opens the door for a lot of things that has, that has already happened where a lot of guys will decline to play but there was no actual game this year so maybe they'll think about switching it back uh talk a little bit when i get into my eagles talk we're going to talk a little bit about the um a little bit about the super bowl preview um you know teams that are playing in there and we'll talk a little bit about those teams and what i think and who i um like and some things that i don't like about the super bowl if you will um, there's a report that the Pelicans are possibly looking to trade J.J. Redick and the Sixers are one of the teams that have been on their desired list. And I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get into the Sixers talk. Um, again, like I said, the Eagles have introduced their new head coach on Friday. We're going to definitely talk about that. And Philly's own Jasmine Sullivan will team up with Eric Church to sing the national anthem at Super Bowl 55 next week so shout outs to her for that now we move into some scores from yesterday and right now i'm just going to give you some nhl scores some nba scores and then we'll get into some eagles talk and i have schedules for today for ncaa basketball nba basketball and national hockey and i will give you those uh towards the end of the show when we sign out on our way to signing out for the day. So, first, the Islanders fall to the Flyers in OT 4-3. Columbus uh, falls to Chicago 3-1. Colorado falls to Minnesota 4-3. St. Louis beats Anaheim 4-1. The New Jersey Devils beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-3. The Stars fall to the Hurricanes 4-3. Panthers defeat the Red Wings 3-2. And the Senators fall to the Oilers Eight to five. Uh, moving on to yesterday's NBA scores. The Clippers beat the Knicks 129-115. The Jazz fall to the Nuggets 128-117. The Sixers come back in the fourth quarter and beat the Pacers 119-110. We'll definitely talk about that. The Magic fall to the Raptors 115-102. The Nets fall to the Wizards on two late three-pointers by one Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook, 149-146. When we get into the Sixers talk, we're going to talk about the Nets as well. Again, I know it's early in the season, but there there needs to be some things talked about 
about the Brooklyn Nets. The Cavs fall to the T-Wolves 109-104. So, that being said, we will now begin our trek on some Eagles talk, uh, if you will. It's 11-14, 14 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. And like I mentioned, the press conference introducing Nick Sirianni as the head coach was Friday, 12 p.m. And because it's Philly and all of us from Philly that are tuned in, that listening, you know how Philly media can get, you know how Philly fans can get. So the biggest joke uh, that I felt was the biggest of all, and this is just the media doing what they do here in Philly, media was that comparing Nick Sirianni to Jimmy two times. Okay, if you don't know who that is, you can Google it, but I'll tell you real quick. It's a movie, Goodfellas, and I'm sure once I say Goodfellas, people will know who I'm talking about when I say Goodfellas. There was a character in there, uh, Jimmy two times, who said everything two times. That's how he got his name. Um, the most famous line in that movie by him was uh, the scene when him, they're in a the restaurant, uh, Al Pacino, Ray Liotta, their characters. I'm, I can't remember the characters by name or whatever, but they're in a the restaurant and they're talking, and then Jimmy says, oh, I'm going to get the papers, get the papers. So I thought that was a little funny because uh, if you saw that press conference, there were quite a few things that Nick Sirianni said twice. So it kind of fit, okay? Um, I understand that the media was in a joking, playful manner with it, but also it fit very well um, in that situation. So what I mentioned, one of the things I mentioned last week uh, about Nick Sirianni was the fact that the Eagles are look like they're finally coming to grips with something that I have mentioned uh, all season long uh, that Carson Wentz, part of his decline, I think, was him missing Frank Reich. I think that was part of it. And I'm not saying, again, like I always say, I'm not saying that he's completely out of the water, but I think there are a lot of factors in um, this whole entire Carson Wentz decline situation that can be discussed, that can be validly argued um, as points of reference in this decline. And I think one of those was the fact that Frank Reich was no longer on the Eagles staff. Um, if you remember the Super Bowl year 2017, um, an MVP year for Kent, for Carson, if he doesn't get hurt, um, I think if he doesn't get hurt in that Rams game, that he would have won the MVP hands down and he would have been able to play in the Super Bowl. So, but nonetheless, that was the season the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl. And for the amount of time that Carson played his best season, by far in his career, his young five-year career. So the missing of Frank Reich is, like I said, one factor in that entire situation. I'm not saying, again, that Carson is completely out of water. I'm not saying that that's the only thing. But that is one factor that I would consider into that argument um, if I was discussing, again, the reasons why he had a decline, a major, major decline um, 
this year and a decline last year as well. So they hired Nick Sirianni. And what I was alluding to um, before I got a little off was the fact that I feel like now the Eagles have finally come to grips with or finally realized that that part, what I just mentioned about Frank Wright not being here anymore, was an issue in the Carson Wentz thing. So they did the best that they could, and they are attempting to bring some of what they can of Frank Wright back to the organization in hiring his most recent offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni. Um, he was the offensive coordinator, but I don't believe that he was the play caller. So he did do a smart thing. He did hire an offensive coordinator, someone that he has worked with in the past. And again, I mentioned kind of briefly last week that the, the, the staff that he has hired are guys that he has worked with. And I just feel like guys that he can trust where it won't be like a dictatorship. I think that these guys can agree and come up with uh, game plans that can help. Uh, the biggest talk is what's the issue and what's going to happen with Carson Wentz. Okay. Um, we all know that there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done there. And everybody has to play a role in the fixing. It can't just be bringing in a coach and expecting a coach to form a coaching staff to have that coaching staff fix him. Carson Wentz has to have a role in it on his own. He has to want to be fixed because that's where the situation where we are. You know, um, he may not want to admit that he needs fixing, but we saw the play. We saw what happened at the end of the season just passed. So we know that there's something going on and something needs to be done as fans and as viewers um, and as media members. We know that something has to be done. But again, Carson has to be on board with the fixing of this entire situation. So Sirianni is from what we like to say from that budding or beginning Frank Wright tree, if you will. And he is now has the opportunity to become a head coach um, with the Eagles. So while I'm here, and I'm sure everybody that's tuned in on Facebook, in the group Sports Rap Podcast, you know what you do. Like a guy, my guy is Chuck Bolger. Uh, Ivan Robinson are tuned in. And Chuck, I'm pretty sure that you will probably have some comments with some of the things that I'm getting ready to get into. And Ivan, I'm not sure about you, but I'm sure if you have a question, I'm sure you will definitely get it in. But I, I do understand that you are probably busy right now doing what you do and what I'm talking about, you know, and the fans will know in due time what I'm talking about in reference to you being busy right now. So I have five things to know about Chuck John. You know I will. Absolutely. Um, I'm hoping that at Rich gets with us soon. Um, if not, while we're live, I'm sure he will see this later and add some comments. So I will definitely be looking for them either in the live or after uh, the fact when I um, do some pride, you know, do some uh, editing and things of that nature and do some other checks on uh, what goes on on social media and whatnot. So five things you need to know about the hiring of five things we need to know about the head coach, Nick Sirianni. So. Here we go. And I'm going to go in order with these. Usually sometimes I like to flip-flop around. 
But today, I'm going to stick with tradition. I'm just going to go in order. So the first thing, do you think the Eagles are making a good decision by hiring Sirianni? All right, Chuck, I know you're probably typing now that I've said that. So go ahead and type away while I get my thoughts out. And when you get your thoughts in there, I will definitely get them to the people on air. So what the article says, the article starts off um, under this particular uh, is in instant of this topic. It says that there's a tough question to answer. Okay. Um, with any coordinator who is making the shift from a head to a head coach from an offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know much about him. All I can base my current opinions on right now are what was accomplished in Indianapolis this past season. Uh, Frank Rack again was the head coach there. George Guvas, thanks for tuning in. Tay, what's happening, big bro? Uh, I can only go on what I remember from this past season with the Colts. Once again, we're talking about this beginning tree of uh, Frank Reich's coaches. So he's going from offensive coordinator to head coach, which a lot of people have already stated um, that that's a very difficult task. Even if you have, and he was the offensive coordinator, but I don't believe he called plays. Yeah, I still believe Frank Wright called the plays there as well. But he's now transitioning into um, the head coaching position. And again, the Colts with Phillip Rivers um, last season, 11-5 record, uh, made the playoffs. They were, I think... And I should have done some more research, so I apologize to all my listeners for this because I'm usually on point with this. But I think they were in top 10, top 15 in a lot of the offensive categories, which is good. But again, we don't know if it was all Sirianni. We know it was a combination. So we did still yet to be seen what he can do on his own and if he'll call the plays or if his offensive coordinator will be calling plays um, this coming season with the Philadelphia Eagles. So that is yet to be seen, but uh, okay, here we go. And the fun begins. So I got my guy Chuck, and Chuck says, and I, I will reserve my opinion about Sirianni. It's too early for me. Good point, so I, I can get behind that. But I do know with Howie at the realm, it probably is the best options for the birds. Mm-hmm. They have someone that will come in and not ask for a bunch of power. Absolutely. And speaking of that, before we move on, thanks for um, adding that in, Chuck. I think you're right on those points. And, you know, I understand where you're saying you're going to reserve your opinion because it's still early. Absolutely. Um, the staff, for one, has just been put together. So they're going to have their period where they get familiar with each other and come up with what they probably will want to go with as um, a system for the team and what they have on the roster currently uh, preparing for the NBA draft and deciding what to do with that all coveted number six pick and we'll definitely that that's a whole different topic a whole different issue that 
can be talked about possibly at length with how they ended up with that number six pick. But that's a different story for a different day. Uh, also, again, um, he's, Chuck says, he says, but he, do, he does know that Howie, with Howie at the realm, that this hire is probably the best option for the birds. And he backed that up by saying, now that they have someone that will not come in, will come in and not ask for a bunch of power. Um, Octavius Green chimes in. This is how we should have been let go also. Yeah, Tay, we talked about that um, past last week, the week before that. Um, I've talked about it just individually on social media throughout the weeks. And a lot of people feel like that should have been a change there as well. Danielle Miller, thanks for tuning in. So, again, for me, I, I kind of am on that same boat with Chuck where can't really give you a definite solid opinion uh, about Sirianni as of yet. I think once we get to the draft uh, a couple months away and then we get into, you know, the OTAs, if they have OTAs um, this year, and then we get into training camp and see what happens. But again, Chuck's one of his biggest issues, and I totally agree with that as well, is the fact that the brass, if you will, Howie and Jeff Lurie, now have a guy who won't come in or doesn't seem to want to come in and ask for a lot of power. Apparently that was the breaking point in the issue with Doug Peterson, who wanted a lot more control than, in my opinion, I think he really should have had. And there's not stating that he wasn't a good coach. I mean, in his second year here, he got us a Super Bowl, something that Andy Reid couldn't do. Uh, his tenure here, Andy Reid got to the Super Bowl but couldn't get over the hump. And again, that's no disrespect on Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid as a coach, and I'm going to talk about him towards the end of this first segment of the podcast. But I think that Doug, as his tenure progressed, uh, got a little big-headed after that Super Bowl, kind of rolled that too much, uh, and, and wouldn't, in my opinion, humble himself and realize that he needed some assistance. Um, he needed to have other minds um, helping him along the way. He felt like he was the one in charge, so he was going to make the final decisions no matter what. And a lot of times we see what happens with that, and we saw what happened with Doug being let go. So again, uh, the Sirianni hire, I think um, he will bring some semblance of Frank Reich's system back to uh, the Eagles organization. He has been a quarterback's coach. He has been an offensive coordinator. So I think he will understand a little bit better. Uh, one of the things I did like in his press conference was the fact that he said, that you have to make um, adjustments in-game. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, Chuck chimes back in. He says, whose fault was it that decided we needed an OC? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point, Chuck. Sounds like Dallas uh, just coach and don't buck the system. Right. Um, well, Dallas, Tay, Dallas is a whole different issue. Um, I think for Dallas, Jerry Jones needs to be um, a little bit more in the backseat as far as the football running the football operations 
I think that's what hurts the Cowboys um, for the most part, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Chuck, whose fault is it that they decide that it decided we needed an offensive coordinator? Uh, you know, I, I'm getting, and this kind of touches, goes into the point I was getting ready to make. But one of the things I did like about Sirianni is where he said that there has to be adjustments. Um, he, he did say, and I'm just paraphrasing, um, he did say that, you know, you can go into a game with the game plan, but sometimes, sometimes during those games, you have to scrap it and change. Yeah, Jerry is a narcissist. I tell you, that's why I said he needs to just get up in that front office, handle those things, um, because they're going to have an issue this year with quarterback. And I don't know uh, how Dak is going to feel, uh, and I'm not sure. You know, I just have a, an eerie gut feeling that they're going to try and want to franchise him again coming off of that injury. And I also have the other side of that eerie feeling is the fact that I don't think Dak will want that again this year. So we will definitely um, see what goes on and how that situation plays out. But getting back to Sirianni, there were a lot of games um, where I felt like Doug did not make adjustments in-game to improve or give the team more of a fighting chance to get back in the games that some of those games that could have won. <laughs> yeah, you'll take him in Denver. Uh, yeah, y'all can have him in Denver. <laughs> Denver needs a quarterback too, you know. So we'll see what happens with the Dak Prescott um, story and the Jerry Jones and the Cowboys saga. So I, I think, like I said, I like that point that um, Nick Sirianni made that there needs to be adjustments. And that is true. Like I said, I say it all the time on the show. I say it um, when my partner's here with me, Baldy, he says it. You go into, naturally, you go into a game with a game plan. That's what coaches do. That's their job. That's what you do. It's obvious. It's a known fact. But there are and there will come times when, and this is in all the sports, just, just because I'm talking about football right now doesn't mean that it doesn't happen um, or doesn't need to happen in other sports. There comes a time when you need to make in-game adjustments where you may have, let's take football right now, for example, you have a game plan and you may have certain things that you want to see in series one and series two, whatever, whatever, when you have the ball on offense, I'm just speaking right now. And something happens on the defense where they pick up on it. So sometimes you have to scrap it and go somewhere else on your playbook and bring those up or whatever. So you have to have some swappage. You have to have room for um, adjustments. Um, Chuck chimes in and he says, he says, now he's with me. He said, he always believed Doug, need, Doug needed some help to, needed someone to help him like Deuce or an older experienced coach or for ROC. That would have helped him out tremendously as it did the first two years. Absolutely, Chuck. And this is what I said. And I'm glad that you agree with me. I appreciate that too. But it showed um, the last season or two, especially this last season with Doug, that he was giving off all the signs that he needed some help um, on that offensive sideline. Um, I think he had some help there, but him being the power junkie or the power jockey, if you will, wanted to listen or he didn't really want to listen, but he listened because that was his staff. And then he went with what he wanted to go with anyway, which ended up hurting him in the long run. So number two, 
How much of a role does Sirianni really have in the Colts' offense when it's been Frank Wright calling plays? There's your answer to my question. Now there's some certainty. What are some things that have stood out schematically during his time in Indy? So, just paraphrasing from the article, I have been it has been confirmed as I thought, and I said I didn't believe that he called fail, plays there. I wasn't 100% sure, but now I am sure, and Frank Wright still called the plays. Um, he was certainly involved in the game planning, and like I said, there were things that these guys talked about that were put in. It may not have been Frank Wright. It may have been something that Nick Sirianni saw or something that he felt like he could tweak and make it better that was instituted uh, into the plan. Um, Let's see. Uh, The former quarterback coach um, was sitting on weekly protection meetings and were deeply involved in planning the pass protections for the week. Uh, So, again, I see that he was heavily, heavily part of the scheming and the planning for the games just wasn't the actual person calling the plays. Excuse me, which is okay. But another, I guess, small bright spot in his staff is him understanding that he needed an offensive coordinator that he could that could possibly help him because of how he helped Frank Reich and the success that they had this past season. So him acknowledging that and being aware of that, bringing in an offensive coordinator, like I said, one that he has worked with in the past, someone that he knows he can talk to. They can bounce opinions and bounce ideas off of each other, and there's no power struggle there, which I think will help um, in the long run as a newly minted head coach. Uh, Number three. There's a lot of talk about how the Eagles hiring are hiring Sirianni in part to fix Carson Wentz based on how Colts quarterbacks have performed. What level of confidence do you have in Sirianni getting the most out of Wentz? Well, uh, I think that him being a offensive, being a pass offensive coordinator, being a pass quarterbacks coach, bringing in, an offensive coordinator who was also a quarterback's coach and bringing in a quarterback's coach that is well-respected. I think they have something in mind. They're aware of the current situation. And the, again, like I mentioned, the fixing of Carson Wentz has to involve Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has to have a big hand in the issue as well. Um, I understand and I see the lineage and the the direction that they could possibly be going and attempting to try and fix him. But if he's not a willing participant, it's going to be tough um, to get that done. So I think he's brought in some people where he can trust. He can have some trust in them to do some more individual hands-on work with Carson uh, in training camp or whatever, and he can continue to game plan. And they can report to him what they see, what they don't see, um, where they see need, where they see improvements need to be made, and they can incorporate that into how they game plan. Yeah. Uh, Chuck says, man, that's tough, but you have, you have to fix other issues first, along with Carson and his issues. Absolutely. And that's what I mean, Chuck, when I say 
um, Carson has to be a willing participant or else it will not work at all. And we already know there has to be some things fixed. Offensive line and all those other holes that we have around definitely have to get patched up or fixed as well. But again, this issue that we're having with Carson Wentz, he definitely has to be a willing participant. If he continues with the trade rumors and all this other stuff, then it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, as I stated last week, I feel like because they have now some film, actual game film, the last couple games on Jalen Hurts, they will go into training camp um, and think, and I'm, this is my, this is my thoughts, thinking that they will go into training camp and prepare or attempt to prepare both quarterbacks for their system that they will bring in. Then I think as they progress along, I think he has enough staff or, in his opinion, the right staff around him where he can tweak some things for Jalen Hurts and his talent level, and then he can tweak some things that will make Carson Wentz feel more comfortable. So I think they are liking what Carson Wentz does as is as the quarterback and the amount of money that's invested in him right now. So, But I think that they will prepare both of these guys to be able to function in this system um, and make the adjustments or the tweaks to fit each person's skill set and what they do on the field. Are there any Colts assistant coaches on the rise that you could see him trying to bring to Philly? I know Jonathan Gannon has been rumored. So, in this particular time, the article was not complete, but Jonathan Gannon has been brought in as the defensive coordinator. Um, he has been rumored to be the biggest part in the turnaround of Xavier Rhodes, who as a free agent went and signed with the Colts after leaving Minnesota and pretty much had a resurgence in his career. So he's being credited for that. So hopefully that will help on the defensive side of the ball and they get a defensive back coach that those two guys can get on the same page and they can help out that secondary. Secondary has to be polished up. Um, you made the signing or you made the trade and you got Darius Slay, but then the injury bug hit. And I'm not saying that the injury bug is a, is a, is a major issue, yes, but you, you have to go back to what Chuck was saying about Howie and what I was saying about Howie in that front office where the personnel has to be taken in a little bit more serious manner than it has been for certain positions, which are positions that have killed the Eagles um, in the long run the last several years, and that's that secondary. Finally, what, if anything, can you tell us about Sirianni off the field? To what extent does he bring leadership to the table? Well, they say he was very emotional um, in meetings. Some of the clips that I saw with him mic'd up in training camp and in practices, he's a teacher, if you will. And I think that he will be a guy that players can talk to. Uh, from what I've seen, I think that he will point out to players what they need to do, especially young players, to better themselves as a football player, as an NFL player. So again, getting back to what Chuck said in the beginning, um, off the field would be pretty hard 
to peg right now because we don't know a lot about him in general. Um, like I said, his first press conference was Friday. So as things progress, thanks for tuning in, Omar Phillips. As things progress, uh, I think we'll get to know a little bit more about the person, the man, Nick Sirianni, um, and blending into going into the football business. So we've got that gap where we have time right now to see what's going to go on with that. Uh, you know, the Sirianni hire, again, like I said, it brings back to the organization some style, some traits of Frank Reich, who he coached under um, this past season. So I think that is one of the things that made the choice that helped make the choice for Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman. Uh, again, like I said, I think they're finally realizing that what they had with Frank right here and what the way Carson played with Frank right here is a big difference to the way he played last season. Uh, so I think that they're getting it. And again, now it is what it is. Uh, people will always have, Philadelphia fans will always have questions and things to say about hires who they think are odd, weird, or strange, which you could put this one in that category. It's just like when they hired Doug. Um, it was, again, wait, why Why are they doing this and why are they going that way? But that that will always be the state of, state of Philadelphia uh, fan base. But you have to give it a shot. It is what it is. There's nothing that we can do about it. These are the coaches, and this is what he has brought in, and this is what management decided to go with but more importantly as we are progressing moving into the draft and it gets to this this number this number six pick where the news came out that they were covered in that number six pick that's the reason they did what they did in the last game yada 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 but again like i mentioned on air it all boils down to what they do with that pick i mean i think it's a really good pick uh, the issue or the questions and the talk about Devontae Smith and Lamar Chase. At six, although it could happen, it depends on how those other teams, five teams, are looking to fill their rosters and their needs and talent available. It's a possibility that even neither one of those guys will be there at six. There's also been talk about the Florida tight end, and the other receiver from uh, Alabama who was injured, who arguably would have been the man if he hadn't got hurt, and then Devontae would have been the second. But we'll never know what happens. We know what we saw from Devontae. Rob Scales, what's going on, bro? Uh, so, again, it, it all boils down to what happens, what they do, what direction they go in with that number six pick. And again, um, let me just see. Hold on, Rob. I'm going to try and bring you in. Uh, Chuck says, but will they go wide receiver again? That would be like three years in a row. Yeah, Chuck, I think that they will possibly need to come off of that. Although receiver is something that they need, but I think they can get a receiver later on. I think they need to go with um, the safety somewhere on that defensive back that 
they can shore up and get some help for um, Slay, for Darius Slay back there. Um, there's also the question about what they're going to do with Rodney McLeod. So they've got a lot of issues, you know. And again, it's a really, really good pick at number six. So we'll have to see what Howie does and what direction they go in with that pick. All in all, um, again, yet to see what goes on with Nick Sirianni and how he builds the team, how Howie begins to build the team. Um, there are some free agents that they may look to re-sign or let go. So I will definitely keep my ears to the streets as always and let you know as I get information what goes on or what's going on with those issues behind the scenes. And that pretty much wraps it up. Again, like we said, the biggest issue that they have is a lot of the talk about them bringing a coaching staff or a coach to help fix Carson Wentz. But the bottom line is Carson Wentz has to be a major player in the fixing of, fixing of himself. If he's not a willing and able participant, then I think they will have to go with Jalen Hurts and move on. But it's going to be very hard to trade him. And I said to people, because of the money issue, I really, really do not think it will happen this year because of that cap hit. And so hopefully some things to get done. Hopefully some guys can get together and talk before training camp starts. Leslie Cuff, thanks for tuning in. Finally got you tuned in. And, you know, it's going to take some work. It's going to take this coaching staff. Um, yeah, Rich. Oh, uh, yeah, Chuck, Rich and, and you need to be um, invited to the show. I uh, definitely. Uh Chuck, I know it's a long drive for it will be a long drive for you, but we will definitely um put something together. I had actually spoken to Richard. Um good morning to you as well. I definitely had spoke to Richard about that and um you know with everything going on, we have to get a time. So maybe one day we'll get on Facebook and we'll chat a little bit and we'll set up something where you guys can be live in studio with me. Uh because I I, I enjoy and, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I appreciate a lot of the comments that you guys do. So, Chuck, you're good for the drop. So that's what we'll do. Soon, very soon, within the next week or so, I will give Rich a call or a message, send him a message, and let him know we can get on social media or something and talk. Or we can just all get on social media exchange numbers, and we can talk and set definitely set that up. I think that would be great, great for us to do. Daryl Oliver, my guy. What's going on, bro? Stay tuned, man. I got some Sixers talk coming up. So uh, you want to get back with me in just a few minutes. So with that being said, again, Carson Wentz, in my opinion, is one of, if not the biggest part of this entire fixing situation with the Philadelphia Eagles. So it is now 11.49, 49 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. I hope you enjoyed this first part, this Eagles talk. And I am going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to talk some Sixers talk to ride the show out today. And we got a lot of Sixers talk to talk about. I am very impressed at what's going on right now with the Sixers. And definitely, definitely a lot to talk about. So, folks, catch me on the other side in just a few minutes. You have been tuned in to Sports Rap Podcast right here on 
Heat 100 Radio. Listen to some music for a little bit. Get your Sixers thoughts together, and we'll be back on the other side with Sixers Talk. Back with the second half of the Sports Rap Podcast, and we are now going to delve into our NBA Sixers Talk to ride this thing out to as close as 1 o'clock as possible. And like I said, I understand the weather is what it is. So if you have to come out once again, come out, check on the elderly. But if you have to come out on your own, take your time, be careful. Um, It is nasty out. It's not real crazy, but it's nasty. And it's started snowing again. And it's kind of like a mixture because I hear it tapping on the window. So it's like kind of a snowy, rainy mixture. So just be careful, be safe. Uh, if you have to come out, you know, and take your time and get your things done if you need to come out. So we move into our Sixers talk. Uh, again, thanks to everybody that tuned in uh, this morning earlier on the first part of the podcast with the Eagles talk. Chuck, thanks for timing in. Tay, thanks for timing in. Ivan, tune in. Omar Phillips, uh, Leslie Cuff. Daryl Oliver, uh, there was another name I forget, and I apologize. I should have written it down, but hope you guys come back because you know where we are. Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast is the group, and I'm here right now. We're going to talk some Sixers. Uh, we're going to initially start with the NBA. And I gave you some scores earlier. And I gave you one score in particular. Score 146. 149. Now, just just take a minute and walk with me for a second. That was the Nets and the Wizards. The Nets lose that game 146 149. Now, mind you, they were without one of their big three. They were not, they did not have James Harden yesterday, nonetheless. Um, I'm doing this for a point just to make a statement because I just feel like. Um, since I've been doing this over the past, that if this was the Sixers, uh, that it would be all over the news talking about how they lost. And I'm going back to the first time, the 145-point game that they gave up to Cleveland, and they lost those two games to Cleveland. Now, I'm sure there are going to be bandwagoners that will – chime in or want to chime in and say, well, they didn't have this person. They didn't have that person. Yada, yada, yada. Can't really give me that. You can't sell me that. Um, The Sixers, like I said, when they lost that game to Cleveland, they didn't have Joel Embiid. I didn't make that as an excuse. I felt like they took that team for granted. And they felt like it was a team that they should just go in there and beat with or without Joel Embiid. And those guys had nothing to lose, and they beat them. Same or very similar situation with Cleveland and the Brooklyn Nets, who beat them, beat them twice. As far as Cleveland beating the Nets twice. Now we all get into the age of this new big three and these super teams in the NBA. Yada yada yada. Um, the initial thoughts were when the signings were made that Kevin Durant was going to be with Brooklyn, and then with the Nets. And with the Nets and then Kyrie being there too, there's a lot of chatter about them immediately coming out of the East. Um, Carlos, 
the enforcer. Thanks for tuning in. Somewhat making slight of the fact of what Milwaukee did last year. And I only say that because Milwaukee was the number one team for the better part of the season last season. Um, although they didn't get have the success that they hoped for. But they were the number one team pretty much throughout the season. So now you have this monster team. And it ties in because there was a lot of rumors about the trade for James Harden, which ended up being to the Nets. And they gave up, excuse my language, they gave up a shitload, which I think they still gave up too much. Um, the Nets are where they are. I'm not going to say they're struggling. I'm not going to say they're not. But I will say as a Sixers fan and what I've been seeing from the Sixers team, they don't really scare me. I understand who 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 they have on their roster. I understand their roster makeup, but when you get to that big three and you get past that big three, there's not much there. Um, their defense is porous at best, if you will, meaning they, their defense is not really good. Okay, so they will have to try and outscore you. Uh, again, as a Sixers fan and the current state of the Sixers, they don't scare me. Okay. It is what it is. Uh, and we got them coming up this week. So another test for my young spry Sixers, who, by the way, are the number one seed in the East right now, um, sitting with a record of, what is it, 15 and 6 right now? Yeah, 15 and 6 right now. They have moved up one place from fourth last week to this week being third on the power rankings, only behind the two teams from L.A. that share the same building, the Clippers, the Lakers, Sixers, in that order. Those are the top three teams in, in the current ESPN power rankings right now. So getting back to the Brooklyn Nets just briefly, and I'm sure uh, once this video goes up later um, and people see it, that there are people who are going to have some comments. Um, I wish that they were in right now so I could get the comments as I'm giving mine. But... You've got three guys on a team who were coming from teams where they were the man on those particular teams. So in basketball, you know, in most sports, it's only one ball. So it's going to take some soul searching, some ego workings to get them to be a cohesive unit um, and decide on particular nights who's going to take the last shot, who's going to get the last shot or whatever. But last night they lost to the Washington Wizards, who ironically have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. And I'm sure, again, like I mentioned just a couple seconds ago, a lot of bandwagoners are going to say, oh, well, they didn't have their third wheel. But you had two of them that are averaging close to 30. So you figure that's 60 points. Okay, so basically in an NBA game, you figure on an average you could just dumb it down somewhat, 25 points a quarter, 100 points a game. You got two players getting 60, so you you mean to tell me the rest of your team, professional basketball players, pay to play, can't get 40 points and get you 100 points. Just I was just being devil's advocate, hypothetically speaking there, um, playing with some numbers. But they lose on two back-to-back Three-point shots very, very late in the fourth quarter in that game. 
which tells me that something going on there. Something, and of course, I've seen it. Um, the defense they gave up 149 points, okay, to the Wizards. They also gave up 145 to the Cavs. Now there's been a flop, Gloria Jones. Thanks for tuning in. That there's been a flop um, in those two teams. Usually it would be the other way around, where the Wizards would be, be somewhere in the playoff hunt and Cleveland would not be. But that's, for some reason, the way that Cleveland is playing, that's been flipped right now. Cleveland is somewhere in the playoff mix, if you will, um, the playoffs in the start of today or whatever. And again, like I mentioned, the Wizards um, pretty much had the worst league, worst record in the Eastern Conference. So for you to have this big three, all these expectations of being the so-called hands-on favorite to come out of the East this year, you gave up 150 points, 100, almost 150 points to two teams that ironically or ideally would not make a lot of noise in the playoffs right now. One of them wouldn't be in. One of them, I think, would just be getting in, just barely making it in. So, again, my point in bringing that up and, and including that in my Sixers talk is the fact that if that were the Sixers like it has been like it had been last year, there was a lot of constant talk with the same way the roller coaster season went last year, and then ultimately um, culminating with them being swept out of the playoffs in the bubble by the Boston Celtics, their nemesis, who they beaten twice already this year. Uh, if it had been the Sixers who had given up 145 points to the Wizards, or who, by the way, played the Sixers tough earlier this year, or Cleveland, who actually beat the Sixers earlier this year, there would be nonstop talk about how this team needs to do this, this team needs to do that, this team needs to break up, this and that and the other. Is it the coaching? Is it this? Is Joel still in shape? Is Ben still going to get traded? It would be a plethora of chatter about them if the Sixers were in that position. But again, with what I mentioned about Brett Brown and the coaching staff. And again, I think Brett Brown was a good coach, just not the coach for this particular group to succeed to the best of their abilities. Accountability. Um, you can see it when you watch Sixers games now that the players have bought in. The players are listening to coaches. Coaches are getting on players when they make mistakes. And there's no discrimination if you will for lack of a better word it's whoever uh i heard a press conference the other day where doc Rivers says i i have sam cassell handling ben ben makes a turnover sam cassell is on his you know what okay and, and that needs to be for the young players the guys that want to be successful you now have a coaching staff who was successful as player who were successful as players in the nba um it showed yesterday in that fourth quarter, where they went on like a 24 or 31-3 run to come back and win that game. To a team that always plays this tough, uh, without Jewel, Ben Simmons has stepped up. And, and I saw something else this morning where it was a little marker, and I'm gonna, this is probably going to lead me into um, another topic of the Sixers situation, where Ben ended up with 21 points last night. He was very aggressive. Stepped up when Joel was out and needed to. So did Tobias Harris, who right now, in my opinion, is arguably 
um, an all-star candidate, the way he's been playing. Um, I mentioned way back when, when Doc was hired and people asked about Tobias, I mentioned that Tobias was having his best season under Doc Rivers in L.A. before he was traded to the Sixers. So now they're reunited and looks like um, he's getting back to some of that form. I mean, he just he hit a game winner for us uh, against the Lakers, and then he steps up again uh, last night to help beat the Pacers. Ben Simmons, and like I mentioned last week, a lot of people had traded, and there's still a lot of talk. Um, I saw one this morning where this was a proposed trade with the Washington Wizards. Um, the Sixers would get Bradley Beal. The Wizards would get Ben Simmons and Cork Moss. really don't like that because Bradley Beal is not a point guard. Then the Sixers don't actually have a point guard. But I, I don't feel like you need to move Ben now. And people are always arguing and people are still going to talk about because of the way the league has changed now, the him shooting the three-point shot. Again, for the umpteenth time, people, I am not really, really concerned with him shooting a three-point shot as of now. Um, I think that could come later on down the line in his career. I am beginning to be happy with what I've seen so far in the last few games. Free throw, free throw shooting has gotten starting to get better. He's being more aggressive going to the basket. Again, I still would like him to shoot that foul line extended, that mid-range jump shot. Still looking for that, and I think that will help him a whole lot and help the other players on the team um, immensely. But I think he does so many other things well, so well for this team that it would not be a smart move to move him right now. Okay? So those are my thoughts on all the Ben Simmons talking to trade. Uh, I, I like what is going on with the Sixers right now. Like I said, they're number one seed in the Atlanta division, tops in the East right now, number three in the overall NBA power rankings. Uh, they beat their nemesis twice, Boston. They beat them twice already. Uh, got a little lackadaisical, if you will, um, the other night against the Lakers. But they are beginning to do what good teams do. They found a way to win. Um, they beat. They ended up getting another shot against the Lakers. Tobias Harris takes that shot and hits it and wins that game. And then they buck down and come back and play some tough D and pull this game out last night. Uh, I, I think that the Sixers are definitely on the right track. I, and I don't really uh, feel like there needs to be any trades right now. I still think that we need a, a veteran point guard, a veteran old school run the show point guard. And I bring this up as I brought it up the other day to a couple friends because of going back to that Lakers game at that one particular moment where we were up 16 late in that game. And then like in a two to three minute game time span, it ended up being an eight point lead. Uh, I think if we had that general or traditional point guard that could have played in that role, take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands and let him motivate or operate against a smaller player and not worry, have to worry about handling or setting people up where he could play free willing, would have helped and it wouldn't have gotten down to the Lakers taking the lead and then us having to have a shot to get back and win that game. So I think that's what we're missing. And, and 
I'm thinking that maybe somewhere down the line in free agency, uh, they can pick somebody up or something without a trade. I would really love to see how far this team, the way it's put together right now, could go on this playoff run with this new coaching staff who is doing a phenomenal job right now. Uh, you've got Joel Embiid very much now in the talk for uh, MVP of the league. And I think he is definitely the or one of the highest front runners right now. I think, again, like I mentioned last week, I feel like he has gotten it. I feel like the light switch has come on finally for him. In my opinion, he's in the best shape um, that he has been in since he's been in the NBA. Um, I think he is becoming more astute with his basketball IQ. I think he's making better basketball decisions. I think he's beginning to get better passing out of the double teams. And I like the fact that he is noticing when he can dominate games and he is taking control over games at certain points when he needs to. So that, my friends, is a beautiful thing for uh, the Sixers right now. And like I said, um, I saw some quotes that I want to talk about real quick. I saw something where Maury, Daryl Maury, the Sixers' new president, has said that um, it's pretty much championship or bust this season. I don't know. I don't really know if I agree with that um, completely. And I give that, and I say that on a curve because you've brought in new key players. You've brought in an entire new coaching staff. So I don't really think that championship or bust is the issue uh, right now. Um, I'm looking forward to a deeper run in the playoffs than last year. So I, I don't really agree with the um, championship or bust this season for the Sixers right now. I would love to see how far this group can get and then see if we can run it back or see what's needed uh, on the next run to push us over the top. And we know NBA is February now, so we know there's always going to be trade rumors. And one of the most recent uh, talks is about the Pelicans looking to move Lonzo Ball or J.J. Redick. Uh, the focus from the Pelicans as far as J.J. Redick is moving him to a Northeast team, which is his liking because his family lives in Brooklyn. Uh, the names of those teams are the Sixers, the Nets, and the Celtics. So I don't think there is a legit spot for him on the Celtics right now. Uh, I don't know how or where he would fit in with the Nets right now. And even for that matter, with this team, the Philadelphia 76ers, not 100% sure where he would fit in right now and what the Pelicans would be wanting in return in trade offers for J.J. So if I'm the Sixers, I of course I do my due diligence. I listen to see, to see what they have to say. But I kind of stay away from that right now. I mean, after all, the guy left for more money. Uh, went to a team he didn't make the playoffs for the first time in his career. He could have stayed and been part of what we have going on right now, but could it spell that his career is coming towards that downward spiral? Not so much a spiral, but on that downward trek. Um, I saw that post, and I saw a lot of people who were like, no, they didn't want him back. 
Uh, he left us for more money, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I get that as far as a fan, but, you know, I, I only think you make a move to bring in another shooter like him back if it's for the right price. And I also understand that there have been trades and possibility, possibilities of trades talked about that were presented that Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, who have a very good relationship, Doc Rivers has um, backed those down and shut those down because he knows what he wants and he sees what he has on this roster and what he can do possibly with this team. So I think in that right, you have to kind of let him do his do, do what he does rather, and push this team to get to where they need to be. I think the combination of Ben and Joel is getting better. Um, I also saw something that said that, that people think that the Sixers might be under the radar. Uh, I would have went with that up until that Lakers game that they were, you know, flying under the radar. But I think the Lakers game and last night's game and the way they had to fight and they beat Boston twice already is a message that, excuse me, people have taken notice, to, <clears throat> excuse me, and they realize that right now I don't consider them under the radar. Um, you had LeBron mention that it was a really good team that he had played Friday night. Um, he also mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing that, there's going to be a lot of good teams in the East that are going to be fighting for playoff spots, jockeying for a position. And he said that the Sixers are going to definitely be one of those teams when it all boils down to it. So, excuse, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, again, I, I definitely like what's going on here. And, again, it depends on what the asking price is and what we get in return as far as trades. But I really don't see anything right now that will say I can say immediately once that trade is done will say oh yeah they're definitely over the top I don't really see any moves like that right now as of yet so again like I said maybe um, some players will not get traded maybe some players will get bought out get waived released and then the Sixers could pick somebody up for the second half of the season Again, like I said, I think the only thing that we're missing is that veteran point guard that can play some situational, veteran, traditional point guards minutes for us uh, and and help this team along the way. But all in all, I, I am very, very excited and very happy with uh, what is going on with the Philadelphia 76ers right now. And I think it just needs to be left alone. Let's ride this wave and see where it takes us. And like I said, then we evaluate and we'll know what we need to add or subtract and do to get us over the top if we don't get over the top or whatever. Um, I, I am looking forward to, again, like I mentioned, a deep run in the playoffs, definitely not getting swept. Um, I'm hoping that we can stay uh, towards the top four, top three. Um the half and like I said I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Brooklyn uh, again I said it Brooklyn doesn't really scare me because their defense is bad the Milwaukee Bucks don't scare me big guy branch what's going on the the Bucks don't scare me so I think there's um, 
very good opportunities for the Sixers to be to stay at the top of the East. Uh, Miami is beginning to get some things back together. They've been a little bit lackadaisical or whatever, or a little in a rut without uh, Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler has returned. So that's probably going to help them a lot. Uh, but I also still see we beat them already too, and it was without Jimmy. And I said, people, um, yeah, so my guy, Branch, says the Sixers still need a stretch four. I could get along with that too, Branch. But again, like I said, the way that these guys are playing right now, the way they're being coached, it, it depends on what the asking price is. Because you know how it goes, Branch. You've you got teams that are playing pretty good. So you've got pieces um, that work in your system and they're showing their talents. So teams are going to definitely ask about particular pieces that their current team may seem unwilling to part with, um, like a Tyrese Maxey, a Matisse Thybul. In their own right, on this team, they have their niche, and they're doing it, and they're performing in their niche. So it'll be very hard for a coach like Doc Rivers to want to wanna let those guys go um, to arguably get or possibly get um, a J.J. Redick, like I said, who's on the somewhat decline in his career, or get a player that's on an inspiring contract um, for a rental fee for half of a season that might just walk away. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what those guys talk about in the front office and how they feel about progressing along with the team. But all in all, I am impressed. I'm very excited about the Philadelphia 76ers right now. And we'll see what happens down the line, folks. Wrapping up, uh, I am now going to give you some scores. Well, not scores, some schedules for tonight. In the sports world, I got some NHL schedules for you, <clears throat> some NCAA schedule, and some Monday night NBA games. So here we go. We're going to go with the NHL first. Got the Panthers are at the Rangers. The Bruins are at the Capitals. The Predators will face off against the Lightning. The Canucks will take on the Canadians. The Flames are going up against the Jets, and the Golden Knights are in San Jose to face off against the Sharks. In Big Monday in NCAA basketball, you've got Georgia Tech going up against number 25, Louisville. Oregon faces off against number 23, UCLA. To Bandy, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you got Duke against Miami, and surprisingly, Duke is not ranked right now, so go figure. And you've got number 24, Oklahoma, facing off against number 10, Texas Tech. Moving in to your NBA schedule for tonight, you got Lakers, Hawks, Hornets, Heat, Timberwolves, Cavs, Kings, Pelicans, Knicks, Bulls, Blazers, Bucks, Rockets, Thunder, Suns, Mavs, Grizz, Spurs, Pistons, Nuggets. And finally, closing out. The opponents have been released for the Eagles, and it's just backtracking a little bit. Opponents for the Eagles in the upcoming season. The home games, of course, Dallas, New York, and Washington. Then they get the Saints, the Bucks, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the 49ers all at home. On the road, again, division rivals, Dallas, New York, Washington. They go to Atlanta, to Carolina, to Vegas to face off against the Raiders. To Denver, mile high against the Broncos, and to Detroit 
to face off against the Lions. That, my friends, concludes this episode of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. If you get into the link, uh, the description on the group on Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast, you will get the link, the Secure Systems link, where you can tune in if you do not tune in uh, through Facebook Live. As always, you can get me Instagram and Twitter at SportsRap underscore D. Facebook, like I just mentioned, Sports Rap Podcast is the group page where you find all of your pertinent sports information. The webpage, SportsRapRadio.com, YouTube, Sports Rap TV, and the podcast is funneled to most of the places where you get your podcast. iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify. Check me out. Just search the Sports Rap Podcast. Again, messy, sloppy day-to-day, snowy Monday. Be safe. Be great on purpose. Check me all week on social media and right back here each and every Monday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the Sports Rap Podcast. Take care, folks. Enjoy your Monday.